Welcome to the Lion's Tribe. I am Pastor Jimmy Udukoya. I pray this episode blesses you and it reminds you to become the lion that God has called you to be. Be blessed. The Ark of His Presence part. Somebody say the Ark of His Presence. Now, for those who were not here last Sunday, um, I, I strongly suggest that you listen to part one because we're just going to continue from where we left off. Amen. We uh, our ch- uh, chapter is Joshua chapter three, um, and we know that this was when Joshua had commanded the children of Israel um, to prepare themselves. Um, to cross over the Jordan into the promised land. And there were certain things that we pulled out of Joshua 3. And the last place we ended on was monument versus presence. Monument versus... And we talked about just because God has done something, we cannot tie ourselves to what God has done and build monuments to what he has done that we neglect what God is doing. We talked about how we cannot tie our experience with God or tie people to our own personal experience of God. So I want to continue where we left off. I read Luke Let's turn our Bibles very quickly to Luke 5, verse 33, NKJV. And they said to him, him being Jesus, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers and likewise those of the Pharisees But yours eat and drink. And he said to them, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. We talked about this last week, and Pastor Kunle was so gracious to help us with the illustration. Do you remember? Now, I want to continue from there. I want us to go to Luke 10, because what we saw there in that conversation, we said, was monument versus presence. This is what we do. Why are you not doing what we do? And Jesus was saying, What you are looking for is already here, but because you are so focused on what we do, you are neglecting the presence. Let's look at Luke 10, 38 to 42, the amplified version. I want to show you something. If you're there, say amen. It says this. Now, while they were on their way, Jesus entered a village called Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet and was continually 
listening to his teaching. But Martha was very busy and distracted with all of her serving responsibilities. And she approached him and said, Lord, is it of no concern to you that my sister has left me? My sister has left me to do the serving alone. Tell her, somebody say tell her. Isn't it funny sometimes we like to tell God what we want. Can we, can we just stop for a second? You know, half the time, what we call prayer is us telling God what we want. Can I just shake small table before we continue? You know, <laughs> half of us don't realize we've turned God into our personal ATM. And, and what we call prayer is manipulation. Oh, I say, Pastor, we just start now. We never, your, yes, let's go. Because what we do is we try to manipulate God. Press the button. Do, 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 do. If I do one, two, three, four, and do X, Y, and Z, then it should give me what I want. Why is it that when we are looking for a particular promotion, that's when our prayer life increases? Why is it that it's the only way we enter trouble? We remember our Bible. E, come on, come on. Can, listen, listen. You can't fool a, you can't fool an actor. You know a savvy act. All of us, Amorawa, we know ourselves. Yes? In church, we are fool. Listen, how many of us have been in those situations? Is when the, as in the streets, they say, choke. When he reach. The prayers you have not prayed before. This, the church you have not been attending. Before you were tired though. Before church was too far. Before you were too busy. But there are certain kinds of troubles that will drive you to the place of your knees. Oh, is it just me? Where you will say, Father, I promise you. Ah... If you just get me out of this one, just this one, I brought every, every, and then once, once God does it, <laughs> human beings, very short-term memory, selective amnesia, we forget. But we have turned prayer into manipulation. And we say, God, but, and then, do you know how we know it's manipulation? Because when he doesn't do what we wanted him to do. Then we go back and say, but God, did I not pray? Did, did I not fast? Did, did I not follow prayer all through this week? And see, see, at the end of the day. Can I? Okay, let me continue. So, Martha tells the Lord <laughs> Lord, tell her to help me and do her part. But the Lord replied to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered and anxious about 
so many things. Ah. But only one thing is we are busy doing all the unnecessary things. We are worried and bothered about all the unnecessary things. But only one is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part. That which is to her advantage which will not be taken away from her I wrote this down I said Martha's activity was a monument to tradition in other words this is what we are supposed to does that sound familiar a lot of us I like Martha. You see, this is how we've always done it. <laughs> see, this is how God does it in this church. You will not come. In this church, this is what we, we do. Let me, let me tell you a story. There was a girl who always cooked eggs. But she always made square eggs. So every time she would cook the eggs, she would cut the eggs into a square. And one day, her daughter asked her mom, why do you cut the sides of the egg into a square? She said, because that's how eggs are made. Eggs must be cut into a square. That's how it's always been. That's how my mother always made it. So she goes to her grandma. Grandma... Mom says, eggs are square. She says, yes. I said, how? Why? Because that's how all my eggs were square. Because that's how my mother made it. And she was blessed to have her great-grandma alive. And she goes to her great-grandma. Granny, why are eggs square? And she says, eggs are square. She says, no, eggs aren't square, my love. It's just that back in the day, I had a square pan. And so every time I broke the egg in the pan, it was... And so I would give my daughter square eggs, and her daughter gave her daughter square eggs. You see, a lot of times we do what we do because it's what has been handed down. And you know the problem with my generation, we like to ask, why? Sir, why? And when we ask the questions that force us to examine, we are sometimes labeled as rebellious. No, sir. No, ma. The Bible says we must be ready to give an account of why we believe what we Because a lot of times when you begin to ask why, you begin to realize that what we have taken as truth or the way it's always done might have just happened out of circumstance that became doctrine, that became a testament of how it has always 
Just very quiet. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know I'm breaking tables. I know. I'm just, we're just asking questions. Can I break another table? Just a quick one, just for the church. Here's just a question. Can I just ask a question? Thank you. Why do we have classes that people must take before they are are eligible for baptism? Oh, it got very quiet. No, it's just a question. Why? Because the last I checked in the Bible, when... (laughs) No, um, it's just a question. Because last I checked, he said, "Um, Sir... Have you been baptized? No, no one has baptized. First, go and do believers class. Is that what happened? What happened? Took him. Water. It is not the believers class that does the work. It is the spirit that comes upon and within that does the work. Because it is the spirit that worketh and willeth both to do of his good. I'm just asking a question. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Can we continue, please? <clears throat> Where were we? Thank you, Madam Mary. See, don't get me wrong, because I can hear some people. You see all this? Just want to come and disrupt everything. Calm down. There's nothing wrong with certain traditions. There's nothing wrong, because if we actually examine it, there was nothing wrong. After all, is it not hospitable to take care of your guests? Right? As a matter of fact, what Martha did wasn't wrong at all because in Judaism, showing hospitality to a guest is considered a mitzvah. What a mitzvah is, is a commandment or an obligation. It is required. It is a ritual of ethical duty or to act of ob- an act of obedience to God's will. So for them to take care of your guest was doing God's, God's will. So she wasn't wrong. Also, guests were obligated to be grateful for the labors of the host. In other words, they were expected to even say an extra blessing to acknowledge how much of a good host their host were being. So this is why Martha asked a genuine question and she said, God, don't you care that I'm doing all the serving? Ask Mary to do the same as well. So based on culture and tradition, Martha was right to do what she did. But write this down. What is right based on monuments to tradition and culture can be wrong where the presence is. I'll say that again. What is right 
based on monuments to tradition and culture can be wrong where the presence is. Sir, what are you saying? Thank you for asking. Acts 10, put it on the, on the screen. Acts 10, amplified version from verses 9 to 16. I want us to read something together. See, everything we say, we must back it up by scripture. Amen? Acts 10, 9 to 16. Let's read. It says, the next day, as they were on their way and were approaching the, the city, Peter went up on the roof of the house about the sixth hour, noon, to pray. But he became hungry and wanted something to eat. While the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance and he saw the sky opened up and an object like a great sheet descending lowered by its four corners to the earth. And it contained all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. A voice came to him. Get up, Peter. Kill and... Kill and... But Peter said, not at all, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is, come on, unholy and ceremonially on that right there, monuments to tradition. Because we understand in Leviticus that God had given them specific animals that they could not eat, that were known to be on, look at this. And then the voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed and pronounced clean, no longer considered unholy. Now this happened three times. And immediately the object was taken up into heaven. Like I said, Peter was right to say, oh Lord, I can't eat this. This is ceremonially unclean. And understand, these were the instructions that God had given to Moses in Leviticus 11. And this had been there for thousands of years. Write this down. Presence will always supersede monuments to tradition and culture. The presence will always supersede monuments to tradition and culture. You know, my mother used to say this all the time. A second of God's favor is better than a lifetime of labor. It is the same way that a second of God's presence can undo a lifetime of monuments. John 8, 1 to 11. I want to show you something. What has been long standing in tradition in one second can be undone by his presence. Hmm. John 8, 1 to 11. I, I know, I know, this is a table breaking sermon. Everybody's quiet. But it's the Lord, the Lord is, is doing what he needs to do. Amen? John 8, 1 to read. Let's read. But Jesus went to the Mount Olives. Early in the morning, he came back into the temple and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began teaching them. Hmm. Now describes. 
The scribes and the Pharisees, our class captains, brought a woman who had been caught in. Can we just pause right there? Can I ask a question? Where was the man? Sorry. It's just a question we're asking, right? It, it takes, how many does it take to commit adultery? So, <laughs> so, Pastor Clay said, I was one of the Pharisees. Why is it that they only brought the woman? And you know, that singular act kind of shines a light on us. Isn't it interesting that we are quick to tear down sins that don't concern us? because it is not a sin that easily besets you you are vocal nonsense can you imagine but when it's your own you know let's let's have compassion these two will pass because you know that you too So they went, they saw the man. Say, no, you know, now we will, you know how it can be sometimes. Guy, I understand. No way, just. You useless woman! Remember what we talked about? We moved the, the log. In your own eye. Before you try to remove the speck. Please, can we continue with it? <laughs> what happened? She was caught in what? Then they made her stand in the center of the court and they said to him, teacher, this now they acknowledge him as teacher. How convenient. Be careful. Not every compliment comes from a place or a good place. Sometimes with compliments, they are trying to trap you. Don't get caught up with the compliments of people. Because sometimes the compliments can be a trap. It is now they acknowledge him as teacher. How convenient. Teacher, they said. This woman has been caught in the very act of Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman to death. Mm -hmm. So what do you say to do with her? What is your... Look at this. They said this to test him, hoping that they would have ground for accusing oh look at my Lord Jesus look at what he does but Jesus stooped down ah yeah sorry sorry and began writing on the ground with his what with his what however when they persisted in questioning him he straightened up and said He who is without any sin among you, let him be the first 
to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and started writing on the ground. They listened to his reply and they began to go out one by one. (laughs) Starting with the oldest one because that one has seen the most. The guy don't see life. (laughs) Until he was left alone with the woman standing there before him in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? Jesus was so busy writing, he wasn't even paying attention to what was happening. She answered, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on and sin. Can, has anyone ever read that and asked the question, what was Jesus writing on the ground? Has, has anybody read that and thought that? You know us, we're very inquisitive as children. People used to ask, well, it's me. And I read that and I thought to myself, What was Jesus writing on the ground when he was being confronted with the monuments of law and tradition? Do you want to know? Should I tell you? Okay, let me tell you. Because I was asking, I was like, Lord, what was Jesus writing on the ground? And you know what he was writing? He was simply rewriting the law with the same finger that wrote the law in the first place. Okay, 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 okay. That sounds good, right? Sir, let's back it up with scripture. Thank you very much. Come with me. Exodus 31, 18. Put it up. Exodus 31, 18. And it reads... When he, being God, had finished speaking with him, him being Moses, on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the, written with the, written with the finger of God. Okay, put John 10.30 on the screen. John 10.30 on the screen says this, I and the Father are So, the same God that wrote the law of stoning and adultery, when they came to try to set up the one who wrote the law, you don't understand that if I write the law, I can amend the law. You cannot hold constitution to me who is the constitution. So they came and they brought her and they said, sir, by monuments and tradition, this woman should be stoned. The tradition and the monuments that you have came from me. So therefore, if I like, with the same finger that penned the law, because she is in my presence, and when you come boldly to receive mercy from the throne of grace, because I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly, death cannot be the sentence I will give her. So guess what? With the same finger. I will go down. 
and we write the law and then come up and say, woman, where are your accusers? Somebody say monument versus presence. Somebody say monument versus presence. I wrote this down. This whole event also shows us something that is critical to notice. That in some situations, holding on to monuments of culture and tradition can be deadly. Can be. They were going to use tradition and culture to take the life of this woman. Somebody say, thank you for the presence of God. Put John 4 up on the screen. John 4, I want to show you something. John 4 verses 19. Are you still with me? John 4 verses 19. This was Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman. We know the story. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews say that the place where one ought to worship is in at the temple. Somebody say monuments. Jesus replied, what did he reply? Woman, believe me, a time is coming when God's kingdom when God's kingdom comes, when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain, nor in 23. But a time is coming and is already, somebody say already, is already here. What is here? When the true worshipers will worship the Father, in spirit, from the heart, the inner self, and in, for the Father seeks such people, not people bound by monuments, not people bound by tradition, not people bound by what has been. He seeks people who will worship, they seek his worshipers, 24. God is what? God is what? He is spirit, the source of life, yet invisible to mankind. And those who worship him must worship him in what? Okay. I'm about to break another table. Can I? Thank you very much. In other words, it is not about locations. It is not about traditions. Newsflash, no church has a monopoly on the presence of God. I, I know when I say difficult things, I can always feel the impact by the response of your clap. <laughs> so I was like, ah, eee. 
I'll say it again. It is not about location. So that means no church has a monopoly on God's presence. Ha! If you go to this man of God and in that church, if you want to get your miracle, you must go to this church. So the idea of running to a particular church for healing. Ah, pastor, this table, yes, I said it. It is not about location. If you are running to one location, because that's where God is, is fallacy. Somebody say fallacy. Because this is the only place I can receive my deliverance is fallacy. Somebody say fallacy. It says you will not worship neither on this mountain or that mountain because God is God is and the last I checked it is the same spirit. That raised Christ, this Christ that is speaking, that told the woman, I am the living water. It is this same Christ that is saying, it is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that dwells inside of who? Romans 8, 11, inside of you. And last I checked, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You see, in the Old Testament, the presence only dwelled in the temple. God says, I will make you the temple. And then I will put my spirit inside of you. So if you have to run to a location, ah, if you want your deliverance, you better go to this man of God, the presence of God. Hey! Somebody say fallacy. God is spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in and in. Do not make a dispensation of his presence idolatry by going to the same place to go and look for him. God is ever moving. No church has a monopoly on his presence, even fountain. Sorry, I'm just, we're just preaching, just discussion. Shall we continue? Thank you very much. Somebody say monuments. Somebody say presents. Let's continue with Luke 5, 36 to 39. Let's go back to Luke 5. Jesus warns about something very interesting. He says this. Then he spoke a parable. This is the NKJV, Luke 5, 36 to 39. Jesus is just speaking to the same Pharisees, asking them about fasting. Then he spoke a parable to them. What did he say? No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match. He goes a step further. 
and no one puts new wine into what? What happens? Or else the new wine will burst the wine skins and be spilled and the wine skins will be what? But new wine must be put into what? And both are and no one having drunk old wine look at this immediately desires new for he says the old is better somebody say monuments now let me break this down for you you know when we talk about not putting new wine in old wineskins because you must understand that in the process of making wine when you bottle up wine it has to go through the fermentation process and when the older you leave it the more it ferments so when you take wine and put it in its new wineskin after a while as it ferments the wineskin begins to stretch because of the gas trapped in the wineskin and so it begins to stretch to the capacity and the age of the wine so after a while it gets to the point where it has completely stretched and the wine is aged so what happens if you put a new wine that has not aged into a wine skin that's already stretched what happens when the new wine begins to breathe the old wine skin will burst because the old wine skin is not for the new Listen to what I wrote down. Write this down. I said this. In other words, you cannot cage the new move of God in an old experience. <laughs> you cannot cage the new move of God in an old experience because simply put the old cannot contain so saying this is how God moves this is how we have always done it this is how it's always been done it can never be the formula to understand God or predict him Haggai 2 verse 9 NKJV it says this, the glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former. In other words, the things and the ways of God is always moving in the forward. Let me say this. You know, one thing about us is that we are so resistant to change. Can we? Can we be honest? Can, can, can I get a witness? We don't like change. Listen, we would rather retreat to the comfort of the familiar, of the old, than to deal with the discomfort and the possibilities of the new. We don't like change. But unfortunately, the only thing constant in life is... And you know what's interesting? Even if the old is not good for us because it's familiar. 
Can we be honest? Even when it's not good for us because it's familiar, we find solace in the familiar. Even when the old is not good for us, even when the old is toxic. See, for some people, because we're used to chaos and fight and bickering, you now find somebody that gives you peace. This is not normal. <laughs> but, but what's wrong with you? I'll be a Yahweh in here. What's wrong? Are you mad? Come on! I don't. You're boring me. This is boring. Every small thing. It's okay. No, let's fight. Fight. You know why? Because we are used to chaos. We are used to fights. We are used to basketballs. So now, you now experience peace and it is unfamiliar. So sometimes, we even self-sabotage and create chaos because we don't like And then because we don't like change and we're not used to new, we're now very suspicious. Ah. My people perish for lack of. True story. I saw a woman. She had a, it was like, you know, she was selling water. And it was really hot outside. And... I felt compassion for her. So I said, Ma, come. I put my hand in my pocket. I gave her maybe 2,000 because she was selling like pure water. And I said, take. And she said, I said, I don't want anything. Just take. Ah. I said, Ma, it's okay. I don't No, you must take no. Ah, me. You want to say no? You must no, no, no. Ma, I just want true story. I just it was a fight. Because in her mind she could not reconcile. This is not what I know. This is not what I'm used to. And we laugh now, but many of us. Are carrying our own baggage of life. Everybody got their own baggage. We've gotten so used to our baggage, we call it our baggage. And begin to define ourselves by our baggage. Do you know that this is just who I am? This is, if, if you don't like it, believe me, because this is how I've always been. And then comes Jesus. Come on to me. All those who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you. Ah, that easy. Is it, is it like that? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come. No. 
No, 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 no. It's not like that. This is not how, this, this, this is not how it's done. Why? Why? See, because we have so been hurt by our own human experience, a lot of times we look at God through the lens of our own human experience. And we doubt God because of our own human experience. And because of our own personal disappointment where God says, come on to me. You don't trust him. Because that's not what I have known. Look at the children of Egypt. And I'll probably stop here because my time is gone. Children of Egypt... They said to Moses, after being in slavery for over 400 years, Moses is taking them to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And do you know what they said to him? Why have you brought us here? Excuse me. Why have you delivered us from captivity? Why have you removed the shackles from our neck? Why are you showing us peace and freedom? Why have you brought us here? Is it not better that you take us back to Egypt? Because it is better for us to die as slaves than to live in freedom. Because sometimes, even when you leave Egypt physically, you take Egypt with you mentally. And you can be set free from Egypt. But you have to be set free from Egypt. But the good news is, I know a God. And he says, who the sun sets free. is free indeed. So in this moment with every head bowed. If you know you are here. You've been carrying the baggage of life. Because that's what you've always known. That's how it's always been. No one has told you different. Everyone has, you've known, has hurt you. So you treat everything with suspicion. I understand. But I know a God who says, come unto me. All those who are weary and heavy laden and I the shepherd of your soul will give you rest. He says, I stand before you today and I set before you life and death. Choose life so that you may live. So that you may live. Let him take the burden away. Let him take the yoke away. 
Let him give you beauty for ashes. Let him give you the oil of gladness for mourning. Let him replace the garment of heaviness with a garment of praise. And the only one who can do it is him. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that you were blessed. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to subscribe. And if you know a fellow lion that needs to join the tribe, please be sure. Send them this link. Share this episode. God bless you.